Bright suns, you're now listening to the Star Wars Friends Podcast on the No One Is Listening Podcast Network. Punch it, Chewie! What have we here? Hello there. Morning, Senator. Greetings, my We are the ones who guard the power. We are the middle. The beginning. <laughs> with the Star Wars friends on social media at SW Friends Show. That's at SW Friends Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the Star Wars friends at show at starwarsfriends.com if you have a comment or question you want us to read live on the show. Now, here are your hosts, the Star Wars friends. Hey, what's happening, Star Wars readers? You are listening to the Star Wars Friends Podcast, part of the No One Is Listening Podcast Network. I am your host. Uh, this is Justin Oldham. Uh, Chris is out tonight. Um, he had a lot of work stuff going on. Um, and then Kyle was not feeling real well today. So we've got a cast of three today. But with me, as the top three, yes. With me, as always, are my Star Wars friends. This is Josh, and this is just the beginning. Welcome to the Rebellion. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And this is Maggie, and uh, earlier before the episode, uh, Josh said something about the taste of chaos, and I've decided that is Marky and Roe. There you go. There you go. Uh, I'm here for it. I I would be down for that cooking show on Food Network. It it (laughs) sounds like it would be amazing. Taste of chaos. Like... They just have to throw random ingredients in and try to make something taste good. I think that would work for me. So And it's got punk music. Yes. The soundtrack is all punk yes, music. Like Hard rock. Lots of distractions while they're trying what to it, cook and just see what happens. See what they come up with. What is the what is the music that they listen to? Uh, that oh Cossif? Oh, yeah. It's like it's metal, like man. Rec punk. Yeah. It's rec punk. Yeah, rec it's, punk. It's there all the instruments are made from wreckage of ships. Yeah, and it's like, it's total yeah. Mad Max, uh, the new movie Mad Max, with the dude with the yeah, guitar yeah. on the front, Period. like, just standing there, just, yeah, it's totally like that. So, uh, welcome, 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 Star Wars friends. Uh, always glad to have you tune in and listening. Um, like I said, we've got the cast of three here this evening. Um, it's Friday night. I- I've got a nice cool beverage in my hand hopefully you guys do as well so uh if you're listening to us next week and when we get this loaded hopefully you're doing the same thing or if you're at work hopefully you enjoy this as well we got an awesome awesome book review uh for you guys today um but first we're gonna dive into our news and notes as we always do um the big one coming up as we continue our countdown to epic celebration 2022 uh, we got what 78 weeks left. We've cracked the 80 mark. Uh, it's coming up quick, so I'm super, super excited. Right around yeah. the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm. I'm actually wearing my 
my 2020 and my 2020 Anaheim Star Wars shirt tonight because last time we recorded, I was not wearing a Star Wars shirt for some reason. <laughs> so I figured this was during the live stream. Yeah, you weren't. No, were I wasn't. And I don't know what happened. Um, and that's when it matters. Yeah. And I was like, why am I not wearing a Star Wars shirt? And it hit me like right before we started. And I was like, well, I just messed up royally. So uh, and Josh, he's got his he's got his uh, Star Wars friends shirt on tonight. I see. So I do. Um, or to yeah. work. Nice. Nice. That's a good thing about working I have, from home. Uh, I have Yoda circs on. I have Yoda socks on. So nice. Nice. Um, you know, I, I, I keep if you go on Etsy, people, there are some people that make some really good Star Wars merch on Etsy that you won't find anywhere else. I found a really cool wolf uh, sweatshirt that I really want to get, but it's like sixty eight dollars for a hoodie. And I'm like, oh, that's expensive. That sounds like Disney uh, Shop Disney. Sixty eight dollars for a hoodie. <laughs> and I, I totally get it. Like I, I love small vendors, and I totally understand it takes a lot of money to make some of the products and things that they're doing. So I have no problem with that. It's just it's a hoodie for me, and it's like sixty eight dollars. <laughs> That's like I don't want to spend that kind of money on a hoodie. So um, the makers are awesome, but they need to slow down. Like literally last night, I bought two challenge coins, a PCV patch, three patches from somewhere else. And today, and then today, I bought some enamel pins from another shop, and then I'm waiting for something else to drop tomorrow. Oh, God, it's man. just like, and I said no to a amazing uh, Thrawn pin that was thirty five dollars plus shipping, and I just said, and it, even though I know it's mm-hmm. going to be like the size of my face, I I just <laughs> I I, I, had, I I had to say no to something. Where do you put a pin the size of your face? Like, where do you like? What do you put that on? Right above your heart? It's Thrawn, <laughs> sir. Um, was that the one from um, Pin, Pin Master Lady? Lady? Yeah, Pin Meister Lady. Yeah, that, yeah. that one was in two versions of it. Uh, it's yeah. really, really nice. If you, haven't, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's really, really cool. Ryloth Relics really dropped their um, Seventh Fleet Challenge coin uh, the other day and a Ascendancy uh, pat, uh, patch, right? Or a... a Yep, that's what I got, and I bu- I bought something I hadn't bought before. That was I bought it was a challenge coin for the Republic Navy. I hadn't bought yep, before. I got that so. one too. <laughs> See, great minds think alike, Josh. Uh, oh yeah. So, but great wallets spend alike. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so we've got seventy eight weeks until Celebration Countdown. It's coming up quick. Uh, not a not a relatively busy news week this week in Star Wars. Uh, we did have some big news though that came out from Lucasfilm uh, concerning uh, Gina Carano and the character of Cara Dune. Um, Disney uh, released a statement um, that basically says uh, the franchise uh, they condemned her comments. She had made a tweet um, earlier this week that was not appropriate. Um, I'm not going to repeat what the tweet said. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's one thing to have your opinions and feel that way. Like I'm on the political spectrum. I'm sure a number of us range in very different things, but to compare, uh, your political spectrum beliefs to uh, essentially the Holocaust and what happened, uh, is a little, little, little out there. Um, so dis- human rights are not a matter of opinion. It's yeah. not, you know, yeah. it's precisely. Yeah. Uh, so they released a statement essentially saying that she was not quote, not currently employed by Lucasfilm and there are no plans for her to be in the future. Uh, nevertheless, her social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable. Uh, and that was Lucasfilm's statement. Now, 
Um, you know, I will say it's unfortunate in some cases because for those that are fans of Cara Dune um, or Gina Carano, and I won't even say Gina Carano, for those that were fans of Cara Dune that liked the character um, and viewed her as a strong female lead character, there are other strong female lead characters in Star Wars that you can get behind just as equally as you did Cara Dune. So, um, go ahead, Maggie, go ahead. May I interest you in Bo Tan? <laughs> <laughs> See Casca Reeves. Yeah, so I, this is something that I, I'm very, obviously very passionate about, but to the note of seeing Cara Dune as, like, a badass female character, like, I loved Cara Dune when mm-hmm. she was, like, introduced, because I always say, I've never felt unrepresented in Star Wars, I'm a white brunette, I see myself everywhere in Star Wars, but I loved seeing somebody who had the same, like, body type as me, that was exciting, uh, but none of that matters, uh, human rights are far more important to me and i can live without a character that i saw myself mm-hmm. in briefly mm-hmm. uh it's there's so many more characters uh, with actors that you know stand for all the right things which are letting people be free to be themselves uh without scrutiny for their personhood uh so that is that's my little yeah. my little thing no, and to that, that. it's totally okay and and again i'm not gonna you know for people that you know, support her and and what she does. That's totally your prerogative. I'm not going to condemn you one way or the other. Like everybody's got a difference of opinions. I'm not going to sit here and go, you're, you're wrong and do those kind of things. I would hope. uh, And when we get into the book cover here in a little bit, there's some really, really good quotes that I took out of this book that are very pertinent to this situation that I think we could all learn from. uh, and, And they're important to listen to, but be smart, people. Like, th- there's some things that are just absolutely ridiculous, and that was one of them. You know what I mean? Like, you can't do that. That's just not, not cool. And I, well, and I think that that's the like. I I understand where you're coming from, and I don't I don't mean to like be contrarian or make this into a bigger thing. And I know I know where you're coming from about like just letting people have their opinions. But I think that's that's the the problem right now is that there's a lot of vocal voices Mm -hmm. who are saying that don't understand why Why? what she's doing is wrong and are then are attacking people who are rightfully upset about what she's done so um now so that so with her being gone that that raises a big question right do you recast the cara dune role or do you just move on from the cara dune role what what's your Maggie? What's your opinion on? I know I'm putting you on the spot. What's your opinion on that? Oh, would no, you want to recast <laughs> that role, or would you want to just like open season three and we find out from Grief Karga that Kara passed away running a <laughs> uh, security detail mission that saved his life, or she was caught up in a tragic bombing by some spice miners? from Kessel. Uh, I kind of hate that this situation has put me in a place where I'm like, yeah, kill that female character off. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, while I think that it'd be really easy for her to literally just be written off the show and never referenced again, the character didn't have that much of a impact that I think that it would raise questions. It's very easy to just have it be said off screen. And then the assumption is there that she's doing something somewhere else and we're not going to see her anymore. Yeah. Uh, or she, you know, got thrown in jail because she broke the law and she joined the, you know, Rangers of the New Republic and, you know, 
helped uh, break somebody out of jail. But, uh, you know, as an actor, uh, there was uh, a comment that she made um, earlier in this year that that came to light more recently about her not wanting to have a stunt double or to have a body double or to have anyone else uh, in that position because she didn't like seeing them in her costume, which uh, as somebody who has been a body double and a stand in on sets, uh, I found quite disappointing uh, and took offense to that. So I would love to see that character be recast uh, for purely petty reasons of her having to know that somebody else is wearing that Mm. costume and probably performing the role significantly better. Gotcha. Gotcha. Josh, what about you? That's my petty. That's okay. It's it's totally Um, your opinion. I've got a different one, but go ahead, Josh. Um, I, so I, I, I understand that piece of, um, what Maggie's saying, like the, the, uh, you know, having your tea and, uh, you know, enjoying <laughs> right. that you're whatever, you know, w- w- thinking that she might be annoyed by it or upset about it. Um, and, but I think uh, like, like Maggie said, I don't think that she's, um, I mean, she was in a lot of, uh, she had a lot of screen time, but I, I, I don't think that, um, I think that she could very easily just be somewhere else. Not to mention that, uh, like my assumption is that with Grogu, with Uncle Luke, and um, you know, Boba, Din, Fennec and Din, yeah, and Bo- Boba being in the well, I think Boba's going to be doing his own. I don't know if we'll even see Boba in in the Mandalorian again. Mm-hmm. At least, maybe not until they, you know, we have that crossover event that they've uh, forecasted. But I think my my thought for season three is that it's gonna foc- it's gonna pull us back into that Mandalorian lore piece, and this is where he's finally gonna go back to the armor and say, "So I was raised in a cult, huh?" <laughs> like, and and figure and like that kind of stuff, and then also like figuring out, you know, him not being afraid to go back to Mandalore and maybe figuring that piece of it out. So I think he's gonna be, you know, our main focus of the show is gonna be shifting away from that area of space and going to Mandalore. Just really, e- it would be really easy to to not even ref, you yeah. know, not have a, even a reason to reference the character again. Agreed. Um, mm-hmm. And then if and and then if he does meet back up with, um, uh, Apollo Creed, uh, you know, it can be a throwaway line, or they could just not say anything. I mean, you know, it, who knows? Drago, Drago. Yeah, and oh, I wait, did. No. I literally did forget his <laughs> name, and I'm really embarrassed. But I was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't forget Carl Weathers, but I just thought it'd be funnier to Apollo say Creed. <laughs> um Yeah, I think for me, like I'm okay not recasting the character. Just leave her gone. Like to your point, Maggie. She let's say they found out she helped get Miggs Mayfeld out of the prison yard, and they never returned him. And like now she's in jail. Like for, because I think, um, and I've seen a number of people suggest suitable really talented replacements for her in the show. Um, But I think part of it is when you get her, when you put the replacement in the same role, in the same name, potentially in the same outfit, um, I would have, I'm still going to see that mentally. Do you know what I mean? I'm still going to see the original person to a certain extent that was there Mm -hmm. and not, not like not the actor, the actress that's cast in that role, but like that face even slightly different i'm still gonna see that person do you know what i mean so i think i'm okay with it being just gone we move on we meet new characters in season three 
and that's it. So the character is just out in the ether somewhere in the Star Wars universe, gone. And I think for me, that would that oh, yeah. would be much better than seeing somebody cast in that same role with the same name that could potentially look the same way. Um, you know, because I saw a lot of people agree, casting like, hey, this person looks just like her. And I'm like, well, that's the problem is if you cast somebody that looks just like her, you're going to see her all the time. So that's just me. I think so. Sorry, Maggie. I, I think that's easier for them. I think I mean. I mean, I guess in the end, it all depends on what they have written and, true. you know, how much they're willing yeah. to work around it or rewrite. Very true. But very true. I don't know. Um, so other news, let's let's move on from this one, because, uh, you know, it's it's it is hard to talk about. Right? There's it's very divisive in the Star Wars universe right now and everybody has their opinions. It's, it's fine. It's your opinion. Um, let's move on from it. Let's move to some lighter news. Uh, I know Maggie, you are super excited about this one. Hot Toys teased a Mandalorian Boba Fett six scale. I think it's a six scale figure. Uh, in his Mandalorian garb with like the black robes underneath. Uh, he looks how it was awesome. How appropriate? How appropriate is the branding that the fact that it's a tease, and then also that it's a hot toy. <laughs> I follow Josh. I follow. Uh, when I got that email from Sideshow, I was like, "Oh hey!" <laughs> it's like just like belly down. That's all it is. It's, it's like belly down. belly down, and that's it. Like, hey, here's Boba Fett. Um, I get I get so many emails from Sideshow, and I opened that one just because, mm-hmm. and then that was like all I could see was like midsection, and I was like, "Oh hello, what do we have here?" It's dad Boba. <laughs> I was like, will they will they be inspiring me to buy my first one? Yeah. <laughs> I dude, I, I told I told Kyle this when he bought his first one. I was super, super proud that he bought his. Maggie, if you get if you get <laughs> the hot toys Boba Fett, I will be so proud of you. Um, because I keep trying to like pull people into that sideshow hot toys uh collection area because it's really cool. Like I just took out um I just took out the Mandalorian with Child Deluxe that I got. And he comes with two uh, Grogu figures, one in the pram and one out of the pram, but he's got his full Beskar regalia on. Um, I just took him out of the box tonight. Super cool figure. Uh, You know, I'd waited for him for a while, but really excited to get him. But they're so fun because you can put them in so many different poses. They've got accessories you can put with it with them. Uh, They're, they're a lot of fun. So, Um, but that just launched. Um, I think we had a couple other bits of news here. We had, uh, there's an unrevealed Star Wars game from Zynga uh, that's supposed to be launching by the end of 2021. Josh, do you have some more details on this guy? Nope, that's all we that's got. All we got. I, I really just wanted to bring it up because I'm worried about my free time <laughs> because for whatever reason... My, even though I know they're terrible, my brain loves the kind of games that they make. And okay. I go through this cycle. So that Zynga made like Words with Friends and Farmville. Mm-hmm. Um, I go in these cycles where I play these mindless games on my phone and then I get mad at myself. You're wasting time. You could be doing something more productive. And I delete all the, phone, the games off my phone and then I slowly download them again and i'm worried that if we anchor something like that that i already have this issue with with star wars 
Josh may never see the light of day again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry guys. I can't, uh, I'm, I'm working on my moisture farm in, in Star Wars Farmville, <laughs> Tatooine. Um, I can't uh, can't be on the show tonight. Sorry. Can, can I just admit that for the last, um, let's see, how I guess the last 12 days, I have put in almost 150 hours on Sims playing Batu. Wow. So, and I, I literally will, like, play Sims for, like, a month straight and then delete it and then download it again in like four months so i feel you completely yeah. if they yeah. do this yeah. with a zynga game i'm gonna be absolutely screwed <laughs> that'd be funny a moisture it's... farm you could farm blurgs you could farm a ton well, i don't think it's gonna be a farm game i was <laughs> <laughs> what other things in star wars can we farm <laughs> uh kawaki and monkey lizards Bacta. maybe Bacta. Bacta. you could yep uh on the on the moon of Hetzel. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a new one coming out. Uh, we had some news from Delray uh, this week. They are changing the size of paperback uh, reprints from mass market to trade paperback. Correct. Yes. Yes. And um, apparently, people were sending really nasty messages to the Delray Twitter account and employees. So please don't do that. It's a book. Um, over a, sorry. over the book size? Well, yeah, so like size. sorry your bookshelves aren't going to look pretty now or Get something but um, stop attacking Jesus. people for no reason. Like Tom posted about that and I was like, "Are you serious?" That's crazy. Honestly, they look better. Like They do. Mm-hmm. I actually prefer it. <laughs> I, that's uh, I was like, "Is this news too small to put in here?" And then I was like, "No, I'm actually really excited that they're changing and they look they look better. I like the I like the way they look. I'm a little I'm a little I love I love the hardbacks. I'm a little old school, but I love hardbacks. I don't know why. I just something about the firmness, I think, of the book. Yes, they're big and well, yeah, they're, they're still clunk, doing hardcovers, but I love hardbacks, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just mean, you know, getting a a slightly, you know, like a a taller yeah. paperback instead of the the little tiny yeah. ones that we have now. Yep. I don't have a problem with it. Like, you do you, boo. <laughs> it's a book. I don't care. Such a wild, yeah. Um, so it says Victory's price is going to be the last one that they're doing in mass market paperback, and they're doing that because it's the last of a trilogy. Yeah. So make them match. Which I did my pre-order for the audiobook for that, which I'm super excited about. I cannot wait for that book. Huge yeah, cliffhanger I'm, after the I, second uh, one. We haven't gotten yeah. into that one on the show, but huge cliffhanger there, after the second one. So if you haven't read, there it, is go an read excerpt. It. Uh, online right now from the new one get a little taste yeah yeah i saw it i haven't i haven't gone out and checked it out yet but i did see it was available um but yeah it's that series is really good the first two books were spot on uh highly highly recommend that one um and then we had some news on the star wars battlefront 2 area we had uh, a reveal from uh the writers of battlefront 2 right josh yes um, and I didn't write his name down, but I have the link here. It's okay. We can, we can post the link later on the website. That's perfectly fine. But, uh, essentially he was giving up what Iden Versio is doing during yeah, Mitch, uh, Mitch Dyer, the, Man- the Mandalorian, right? Yes. Um, and it was actually the actress, um, who plays Iden Versio that, um, kind of first posted it and then he responded to it after, after someone asked, um, do you know how to say Jaina's last name, Maggie? By any I just chance? know. I just because her username's Jaina, so I only have Jaina G. Jana. Sorry, Jaina. 
if you're listening i know you're a big big star wars friend listener so <laughs> um yeah no he he said that during the mandalorian she is a former rebel she's ex special forces she's a war hero hero she's married she's friends with uh shreve the uh, duros mm-hmm. uh rebel that we see in some of the games and stuff and then um she's about to be a mother and then she is ready for more stories um and i actually think that this kind of connects nicely with uh you know the Cara Dune stuff because if if uh if people are hungry for a you know uh ex rebel soldier uh this is who we can put in there mm-hmm. and then we're not recasting we're just uh you know putting someone else yeah. in there and uh you know she uh, Jaina does the the motion capture and stuff for uh the character so she you know she's basically completely playing her so she looks like her and sounds like her so um i'm here for it i, li- I like the character mm-hmm. so yeah real or if not in the mandalorian and something else you know? really good storyline in battlefront 2 with everything with operation cinder and what happened there and kind of her development and involvement uh with with that group um really really good stuff and then it, that carries over into um alphabet squadron a little bit with what we what we get in the continuing storyline there so uh, yeah isn't her i think her daughter is in her daughter's in um alphabet squadron right yeah, yeah. Oh, squadron her daughter is that... in squadrons i think okay right? um mm-hmm. so yeah because she uh shreve's still there i believe yeah. yeah so um but yeah so this would have put her because squadrons was oh no her daughter's actually in the game she's in the dlc yeah uh for battlefront yes yeah. so i guess mandalorian though would be right so that's what five years after the empire right five years after the fall yeah so sounds right yeah so operation cinder would have happened right after that so yeah so she would have this would have put her a couple years later uh, and her daughter isn't even born yet. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what, that's what Mitch says. Yeah. He says about to be a mother. Yep. So. Very cool. Very cool. So again, not, uh, not a super packed news week this week. Uh, we did get some interesting tidbits that came out this week. We had obviously some big news come out this week. Um, but overall, not a huge news week, but, uh, our show this week, we're going to focus on, uh, high Republic still, right. That's been our main focus. The last couple shows we went through, uh, the higher first high Republic book. Um, we covered that in like three sections. Uh, what we're going to cover today is High Republic, A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland. Um, it is a YA novel. Um, it's a relatively quick read. Um, I didn't, I don't know if you guys thought it was long or, or short or too short or what? I thought it was quick. I thought it was quick. Um, I mean, I think the audiobook was a total of like four or five hours. Um, maybe maybe six tops but it was it was a quick listen i listened to the audiobook josh you're listening as well maggie read it yep. like five years ago when it was first released um <laughs> you know for prior to for, for pre-reads yeah um my book says content restricted ooh, embargo like she's got the fancy label on her book <laughs> I do. What's, what was the date under it well uh, 
Um, December 14th. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So not five years ago. I was a little off. Uh, but she's had it for a while. She's already read it. Um, quick read. Maggie, give us, before we dive into like kind of what we liked and what we didn't like and um, maybe just some snippets from it, give us kind of the high rundown of high-level review or rundown of High Republic Test of Courage by Justina Ireland. So essentially, this book is about a bunch of kids who are on a luxury liner uh, that has a massive crisis. Exactly. Uh, Massive crisis happens and they lose their parents, their Jedi mentors. uh, You know, they lose everything and are essentially trapped then on a a planet where they have to grapple with grief and a brush to the dark side uh, the Nile and the planet itself and getting off and finding their way back and they also have to deal with the the emotions of being a teenager and dealing with people that you are kind of forced together with and that's essentially the story that's the story of our planet sad kids in space (laughs) We're with people we're forced to live with. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's it's yeah. It, that no, that's spot on, Maggie. I think you hit it nail right on the head. It's um, it, and again here we find the the night the Nihil, uh wreaking havoc again because we we open with essentially another ship catastrophe. They wreck. They sneak on board. They jettison the escape pods. They mess with the circuitry or whatever and basically jack up this cruise ship and blow it all up and people are struggling to get away um in in the process they end up killing a jedi um uh, what is master uh, master michael douglas master michael douglas um they they uh nothing maggie no sold that completely (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh god yeah they they end up killing a jedi they also kill um another character's father in this process and he's one of the 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 son is kind of um trapped with these other jedi and and uh another character on this planet but the nihil are wreaking havoc they're causing problems for people they're you know this was a, a star this was a luxury liner on its way to uh the Crap. What's the big sp- uh, the space station? Um, Starlight Beacon. Beacon. Starlight Thank you. God, I forgot already. They were on their way to the Starlight Beacon for the opening ceremony, and they just decided to blow it up, got on there, and wreaked havoc. So you nailed it, Maggie. That's spot on. Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> so I think just trying to, before we even really get into it, trying to place it. So I wasn't 100% sure where it landed in the timeline but then obviously through reading it we learned that these ni the the nile that are in this book are part of Kasev's tempest yeah. mm-hmm. but they and then they also say that at at one point they also say that like most of the tempest went off on this mission with Kasev which I think ends up being the mission where they all get killed mm-hmm. in light of rest the Jedi rest in peace wet bub poor wet bub <laughs> Um, so, so this basically this book happens concurrently with Light of the Jedi towards the like last second third end of the you know the the last like half of the book because mm-hmm. I think in the epilogue at the end they do describe 
um, that they made it to Starlight Beacon and the Jedi were still dealing with some of the emergences from uh, the other ship that had blown up and was was hitting um, he- the head soul system. Run. Yeah, it's the legacy yeah. run. So uh, it, it's kind of in conjunction conjunction with that. And a lot of what we're getting in these early books and comics are that where it's all happening at the same time. Hey, Star Wars friends, it's Josh, your favorite Star Wars friend and the resident John Williams one percenter. Do you want to be a John Williams one percenter like me? Well, here's a piece of John Williams trivia to help you push up your glasses at the other 99%. Did you know that John Williams has 52 Academy Award nominations in his career to date? The only other person with more nominations is some guy named... Walter Disney? Never heard of the guy. Make sure to stay on target and listen to the Star Wars Friends podcast every week for more John Williams content. Hi, this is Gary Witter. Very proud to be a Star Wars friend. You are listening to the Star Wars Friends podcast. Hi, this is Kevin Kiner, composer for Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. I'm happy to be a Star Wars friend. Looking for fun and excitement without having to join the First Order or Resistance? Come join your Star Wars friends and experience the fun and excitement at Canto Bite Hotel and Casino located on the beautiful planet of Cantonica. Our state-of-the-art facility offers a beautiful Fathir racetrack, all the newest hollow tables, and the finest libations and cuisine across the galaxy. Enjoy top-notch entertainment nightly such as Figrin Dan and the Modal Nodes, the Max Rebo Band, and Arodia Ventifoli. Witness some of the fastest sky racing in the galaxy with first-rate pilots Hype Phazon. Hype Phazon is in the building! Tora Doza. Where's my cute little furball? Freya Fenris and Griff Halloran. Okay, I still don't get why we all had to come along. Just listen to some of our happy guests. Oi! Misa love Canto Bite Hotel and Casino. Misa win muy muy credits. Whether you're here for relaxation or excitement, the Canto Bite Hotel and Casino can provide whatever you desire. There is so much to do here. Odds are, you'll have the time of your life. Maybe. Gambling problem? Reach out by Hotman to the New Republic Gambling Addiction Hotline. The number is 800-IMI-NDBT. The number again is 800-IMI-NDBT. One more time, the number is 800-I'M-IN-DEBT. This advertisement has been brought to you by the Star Wars Friends. Please handle responsibly. Delilah S. Dawson, your Star Wars friend, and you are listening to the Star Wars Friends Podcast. an angel for a helpless baby Yoda? Every day, baby Yoda is chased by bounty hunters and abused by scout troopers, and he's crying out for help. 
please click the subscribe button on your screen and join the Star Wars friends with a monthly gift right now. For only 60 calamari flan a month, you'll help rescue Baby Yoda from their abusers and provide food, shelter, Jedi training, and Beskar armor. Subscribe now and follow us on Twitter in the next 30 minutes to receive this tweet with a gif of Baby Yoda, who's been given a second chance thanks to you. Baby Yoda needs our help. So please, subscribe, rate, and review right away. This is Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, and you are listening to the Star Wars Friends Show. Do not underestimate the power of this podcast. Well, my name is Stephen Ray Morris, and I've been a Star Wars fan my whole life, and I'm happy to call myself a Star Wars friend. I know my thing is Jurassic Park, but I love Star Wars, and I dressed up for Ray for Halloween a couple years ago. So, yeah, enjoy Star Wars, friends. Hey, this is Dominic Pace, who played Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Happy to be your Star Wars friend. You're listening to the Star Wars Friend Show. Hello there, Star Wars friends. It's Josh, your favorite Star Wars friend and resident John Williams One Percenter. Do you want to be a John Williams One Percenter like me? Well, here's a piece of John Williams trivia to help you show off your elite status to those around you. Not only has John won countless awards and accolades, Oscars, Grammys, etc., but the apple does not fall too far from the tree either. His son, Joseph Williams, is the lead singer of the Grammy Award-winning band, Toto. Make sure to stay on target and listen to the Star Wars Friends podcast every week for more John Williams content. Moonlit wings reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation. Hey, I'm Jason Fry. Thanks for listening to Star Wars Friends Podcast. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Star Wars Friends Podcast. Subscribe to the Star Wars Friends for weekly episodes featuring the latest news, in-depth analysis, fan questions, and conversation on all things Star Wars. If you're enjoying the Star Wars Friends, please leave us a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. And make it a great one. Now, back to the Star Wars Friends. Uh, this is really the story of a young Jedi Knight, uh, Vernestra Rowe. Uh, Vernestra is recently, uh, named Jedi Knight. Uh, I don't, don't think Vernestra was a Jedi for very long. Um, she's a prodigy. She's like real young. Yeah. Uh, what? Six, 15, 16 past her Jedi trials when most Jedi were still kind of getting into that Padawan status, I think is what they said. 
Uh, yep. So really, really young. But at the same time, what we discover through the book is that she's Mary Allen, um, which is the same species as um, uh, Luminara, right? Um, yes. So like she's she's green, but they're. Uh, Wikipedia uh, describes Mary Allen's as being known for, you know, spirit, spirituality and strong connection uh, with the world around them, which we find in the book that they mention uh, it's a big deal for them when when they find a force sensitive Mary Allen. Uh, it's, it's a thing to be celebrated for them. It's not uh, in some cases where, um, you know, uh, Jedi go in and they say, "Hey, your kid's got special abilities. Let us take them. We'll train them, uh, you know, and 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 teach them how to be Jedi." This is something where it's it's a gr- almost a gr- I don't want to say a grand send off for them, but it's something that they appreciate because it uh, it ties them and binds them with the Force. Uh, Barris, Kyle's favorite, is uh, is Mary <laughs> Allen. Yeah. Uh, so Barris and Luminara are two of the more uh, well known. Uh, Mary Allen's uh that are there they're 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 what do I want to say they're you're they're easily recognizable uh by green or pink colored skin uh some had purple skin and then they have geometrical uh facial tattoos so they're they're pretty easy to to spot so um yeah and those are family based i think the mm-hmm, the tattoos mm-hmm. so it's it's really the story of Vernestra Rowe and and her kind of coming i don't want to say coming of age but she really transitions within a short period of time from a jedi knight to i don't want to say a jedi master but she takes on a padawan by the end of this which was imri um and imri you know they have some challenges along the way uh they are the situation that they're put in uh Imri, who is also a Padawan, um, and another character, Honesty, who is the child of a senator or a dignitary? Ambassador. Ambassador. Mm-hmm. Uh Honesty. They they both lose somebody in this crash that they had important ties father to figures. father figures that they had ties to. And it triggers that anger and revenge and hate emotion in them uh that is is hard to sometimes quell uh inside of you and and they the the struggle in the beginning was because they didn't know what happened to the ship but then later on through the book when they find out that the same nihil that wreaked havoc on the ship and caused it to blow up are on the same planet as them and not very far from them they all of a sudden decide we want to take vengeance on these people and try to go kill him. And they end up getting captured. Emery and Honesty get captured. And it's up to Vernestra and who's the other one? Um, Avon? Avon, I think. To go rescue him. And the droid. I can't remember the droid's name. Basic. Yes. So it's up to them to go rescue them. But we learn here... And I thought that this was the most important. This was the most fascinating part of the book to me was Emery's struggle with the dark side in this book. I thought that was was super fascinating um, how quickly Emery tapped into it and tried to leverage Honesty's anger and hate towards the Nile to 
power him power himself so um it was it was interesting like it's a short book i it's a totally short book it's great for younger audiences but i thought it was interesting like it, there was some really really cool stuff that happened uh you know three uh three like probably two-thirds of the way through the book i don't know how you guys felt but that was just my take on it yeah i agree I really liked that. And I think this is something that Justina in particular really excels at is truly capturing the way children interact. Um, I don't know about the two of you, but I read a lot of young adult and like children's books. Well, and this uh, is actually a junior novel, not a, not a YA. So it's exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I read so much of those books for, for work because Disney sends them to me and I've, I've gotten so frustrated when I find these young kids who speak like adults and they, they act completely unlike any of the like 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds that I know in my life. And so I think that Justina is extremely adept at creating very believable children's characters and i felt like these cha- these children interacted like children would in the situation you had the ones that were clearly like friction right from the beginning that they did not want to get along but they were still like hey are you are, are you okay cuz like they're sitting there crying and you have you know characters that are trying to figure out like who they are and where they where they are in the middle of crisis, which is like such a like important thing to like kind of grapple with when you're dealing with grief and like the, the children are allowed to grieve and they're allowed to be angry and they're allowed to feel. And I love this kind of evolution of emotions that they go on throughout the novel. Mm-hmm. It, it feels really authentic and it's very engaging. And I know people look down on some of like the kids books, quote unquote, um, with the junior novels and the young adult novels, but I felt like this one had such a wide range of relatability that even adults can be like, "Oh yeah, I feel this." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt I, I agree. I felt like the kids seemed authentic in in a way in a way that didn't take away from it. It wasn't like annoying. I did. I think in the very beginning, I had to like remind myself, "Okay, this isn't written." for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then once I kind of wrapped my head around that, um I really enjoyed the book. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there was a lot of there was a lot of good little like Jedi quotes in this book that are easily palatable that are everyday bits that you can use. Uh, you know, in the very beginning, I think Vernestra says all is as the Force wills it. Um and it was right when all of the chaos is happening. Um you know when the ship's blowing up and they're like escaping in the escape pod they're like she's like hey all is is the force will wills it i'm going to let this guide me and we're going to see what happens i understand tragic things have just happened but it's something it happened for a reason and we have to figure out why um you know the only thing that i i I think one of the things that kind of bugged me was the I, i don't know if it bugged you guys the wayfinding thing um they were in essentially this ship and uh <laughs> Josh is already laughing at me but they um there so that the mention of wayfinding through the force was brought up and you know I thought about it and, and essentially they said um as long as I can as long as I know what I'm looking for I can focus on it and go there 
right? So if the goal was to find a suitable planet to land on that could sustain life, that's a pretty easy thing to do. And I think we don't really hear a lot of mention of this later on. We get it in Rise of Skywalker with the actual Wayfinders. We get it in the the um, the Darth Vader comic where he literally goes to get or he gets the Wayfinder from the um, the Webbish Webbish Bog. Is that it? Um, and he yeah. gets the Wayfinder there. But it's a those are physical Wayfinders. And I thought about it and I was like, well, the talk of a Jedi reaching out through the Force to guide them and lead them to a planet or to chart a path and wayfind in that way. Since we don't hear about it much later on, we've talked previously about how as technology increased, uh, the abilities of the Jedi or their trust in their forces or their force abilities to do things seems to have like correlated with that and like gone down as technology had gone up. So initially I was like, what wayfinding through the forest? You're crazy. Get out of here. And then I was like, well, maybe that's, you know, from the time that they were doing it in the high Republic to what we see at the end of rise of Skywalker, they were using more machines than they were their own abilities. I don't know, Josh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I was thinking it was either something like that, where the, the correlation between increasing technology and, you know, them and the overconfidence. But I also, I, I always think of how, like, the Romans had plumbing, and then we lost it for hundreds and hundreds of mm. years. Um, just, like, lost knowledge. Like, oh, they knew how to do this thing back then, but then we didn't have to do it anymore, so we, you know, we don't know how to do it anymore. Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, and now I can't remember what I was going to say before that. <laughs> I got you sidetracked. Oh, I know what I was going to say. No, because uh, this is going to be, I, so you brought up the, you know, following the force. I, so I looked at that, like, I don't like the blind faith in the force or the sense of predestination. Um, I think it's, it's a good thing to, like, be calm and know that, you know, uh, you have the force is your ally, but at the same time, I feel like you need to be rooted in reality at some, on some level. And you can't, I like, I don't, I'm not the kind of like everything happens for a reason kind of person. So things like that kind of ring hollow for me. And I think, well, it's okay to trust in the force, but maybe not so completely that you're just like, it's fine. The force wouldn't do this if it wasn't supposed to happen. It's like, ah, well, it's on some level you have to be like somewhat responsible for what happens to you or what doesn't happen to you. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of like, um, and like pre like predefined destiny versus, um, choice, right? Like what, which, you know, for, I think it was in Forrest Gump, right? When he's talking there at the end over his, uh, over, uh, Jenny's, Jenny's, uh, grave, he, he says, I think it's a little bit of both. And and he's he's not wrong. It is a little bit of both. And there's a there's a quote later on that comes up that says, um, "To be a Jedi, uh, to be a uh, what was it? I think Ver, it was it Vernestra or Imri was kind of reflecting on um, killing the pirates and whatnot. And he could almost feel the hand of his master um, touch his shoulder. And he said, "It's quote to be a Jedi is to always trust." That the force works in mysterious ways, Emery. We accept and we try our best, but we do not forget that in the end, all is as the force wills it. So I think that's what they're saying is that 
the force will guide you to a certain extent and you try your best to either follow it or go with it but sometimes we get we make those choices that change the direction of the force so yes i totally well yeah that that's fine i'm just there were there are points where some of the quotes were kind of like completely like just blind faith in mm-hmm. where the force is going to lead you and and that that's like i just not based enough in reality for me i mean it's not a big just like it it kind of leads back to the like the jedi being a little bit too self-assured and the whole you know martian row is right about the jedi camp that maggie is in i i think it um that I think the Jedi have gotten to a place, you know, maybe have gotten to a place where they're they're too comfortable, and um, they haven't really had to deal with anything for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, they're out there having maybe relationships that's a reflection of that, making light whips and yeah. or lightsaber whips and <laughs> doing all kinds you of know, things. Something, something I keep going back to is how Project Luminous was first introduced to us with this concept of what are the Jedi afraid of. And the Nile are supposed to be the answer to that. And so I think that it is that it goes much deeper than just being this adversary, these enemies that they have to deal with. I think it's the fact that the Nile make them face the uncomfortable truths of what the Jedi and the Republic are, which failure is truly the Jedi's greatest fear. Um, and so I think that in a lot of ways, these characters are going to challenge the Jedi. And I think that it sets them up for the trajectory of where we see the Jedi essentially today, you know, 200 years later. And I think that the Nile are that, that impetus to end up where they're, they're not perfect and they're flawed and they're deeply regressive and how they train their Jedi with their no attachments and, it's very much this this uh, reactionary path, um, if if that's the route that they're going with, um, where they they rein in all of that free will and that um, fantasizing about having a retirement on Naboo with your Jedi <laughs> lover. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that we see in this that are much freer than the restrictive, very monk life monk-like situation we see them in in phantom menace attack of clothes attack of the clones revenge of the sith um so i think that that could be what we're getting or, at or which I'm, I'm excited for or episode two attack of the clothes because there was a lot of a lot of costume changes in that movie so it could have been attack of the so clothes. many clothes um, but that's actually so that's the padme cut that's just where she changes clothes right. the entire time it's all the unseen costumes it's a behind the scenes thing so besides taste of chaos we now have attack of the clothes and uh we're we're getting a whole like It'll be the new Star Wars Network. Star Wars Network will show Star Wars movies and Star Wars TV shows. Um, yeah, it, it's no, yeah, and that that you know, it's hard. I think for the Jedi too, because I feel like I don't like because I know you brought it. I think Maggie on uh, when we covered the first book, you brought it up that that the mm-hmm. Jedi were colonizers, and I don't look at the Jedi as being the colonizers. The colonizers of the Republic. The yes. colonizers of the Republic, but then they go, "Hey, Jedi." We, we could use your help. How about you come with us? And the Jedi go, well, you know, we, we want things to go off peacefully and we want it to be right. So, yeah, we'll come along. And then they get dragged into this stuff that they shouldn't be really brought into. If the Jedi were to just sit there and go, no, we're just going to do our own thing here. We're going to we're going to study the force. Mm-hmm. We're going to we live with the force. This is what we feel and what we believe. We don't 
you know, we're not going to assist you with your colonization stuff or expanding outwards. I think it'd be a very different story, but they seem to get like pulled mm-hmm. into this all the time with the Republic, um, you know, the High Republic. They seem to get pulled into this all the time. And if they would just stay away, I don't know that it would be as much of a challenge for them. But, um, oh, it, without it's a interesting. Doubt. Yeah. Go ahead, Josh. I'm, I'm wondering if they are. They, I w- I'm wondering if, if they are, it's one of those things where they just, they don't realize what's actually happening because they're looking at the, the top level piece of this. Because even in this book, there's, there's a mention of like, oh, well, they're going, you know, it was talking about like the, a previous explorer who was like going out to worlds and then like sending droids back to Coruscant to like report mm. so they knew where they could go to colonize. And like in that, they had said, um, that, oh, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to send people somewhere where there's already people living there. Um, but it kind of feels like maybe it's that, that thing where, you know, slavery is illegal in the Republic. Oh, but not on Tatooine. Cause it's out in the outer rim, you know, like <laughs> right. just, yeah. you know, yeah, we're not going to colonize places that have people. We're just going to go to planets that don't have, mm-hmm. you know, sentient beings, wink wink like <laughs> right exactly yeah. yeah that was another one of those moments that i was just like uh-huh mm-hmm. i see what's happening here <laughs> yeah um, and i think i think to you know to go back to the the real world analogy i think i probably didn't say it as eloquently as i meant to but it's, it's more like uh you know historically speaking when you have these governments that are like hey we want to go out and take over this place and they also send missionaries along with them because they use this like enlightened group of people mm-hmm. to help convert um and so i think the jedi are more fulfilled that that part of the trope um whereas the republic are the the weapons yeah, basically yeah, i gotcha i gotcha um but yeah, so you know, we kind of get that in this book where we're continuing that journey, right? Of, of High Republic, the first, the first one, and um, where we're going to be, where we're going in the comic, and and I think there was, like I said, there was a lot of really good quotes in this. Um, you know, there's a point where uh, they're talking about whoever it was that ended up. This is before they knew whoever it was that blew up the ship, um, Avon really wanted revenge on who, whatever it was or whoever did it. Um, you know, and they had to reiterate, you know, the Jedi don't want, uh, don't want revenge. Uh, Jedi do not quote Jedi do not believe in vengeance. Everything that happens happens for a reason. Um, so here again, you know, we get that, that trope of, of, Hey, you know, just let, things happen you can't let your emotions get caught up in things um if you if you haven't read this book yet uh we get a really really cool explanation of a lightsaber whip um there's only a few characters in star wars actually one i can think of that has a lightsaber whip period uh and here we've got another one um, and it was, this was really, really cool. Cause there was a lot of interesting drops in that little, in that chapter about the lightsaber whip. Um, the quote was the lightsaber whip is used by the night sisters. Um, hold on, let me find it here. Uh, Emery, uh, it, you know, discovers that, um, uh, that, Ver, uh, Vernastra has a lightsaber whip essentially. Um, cause she can take her lightsaber, normal lightsaber, turn the, 
a little dial on the hill and all of a sudden it like drops down and forms this whip. Um, and it, it's really cool because she's like, holy crap, I didn't know your lightsaber could do that. Like, did you go and study um, at the temple on how to do this? She says, no, it came to me in a dream uh, one time on how to do it. And I felt I might need it. Uh, so she made she modified her lightsaber. Um, and then where was it? Uh, yeah, light, we, we learn in Chapter 12 lightsabers are used by the Night Sisters. Um, they were also used during the Sith Wars. Um, Jedi also used light whips. Um, Serval the Uncanny. Love that name. Serval the Uncanny uh, also used a, lights, a lightsaber whip against Sith Lords who used the Forbidden Forms. Uh, which I thought was really, really cool. Uh, just cool back knowledge of the Jedi and the Sith and the lightsaber whip um, comes into this chapter. In chapter 12, it was, it was really cool to hear. Um, I don't know. What, what are some of the things that you guys like? Maggie, go ahead. What are some of the things that you guys like? Uh, so I had to pull up my article that I wrote for my review about this, but um, I really enjoyed that the High Republic had uh, several... Uh, connections to more recent Star Wars content. Uh, there was the reference to Pisana. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was obviously first introduced in The Rise of Skywalker um, in regards to it having ghosts residing on the planet, which I thought was quite neat. Um, Batu is also mentioned, which is obviously the sequel trilogy and the Disney theme park, um, where they mentioned um, that she could tie Batu knots. Uh, and oh, yeah. then there's there's also a, a reference to the Joppa stew, mm-hmm. which is what the Mon Cala uh, eat, which we just saw in the Mandalorian. So I really enjoyed having those just little subtle blink and you miss it connections that just continue to build out this world. Mm-hmm. And I love mm-hmm. it. Go ahead. Jeff. I'm pretty sure the canon name for that is tube chowder. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Uh, <laughs> tube chowder. Isn't that what yeah, we were calling so. it at least? <laughs> From the chowder bucket? Yeah, it's like the yeah. hose above the table with... Oh, so nasty. <laughs> Tube. Uh, I just wanted to say uh, R.I.P. to Lumaya, the original user of the light whip mm-hmm. from the EU. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what, I, yeah, that's, all. that's what I was thinking. Um, and I don't know about you guys. I must have been... I, I think I'm in the same boat, Maggie. I was hungry when I was listening to this book because I heard a number of food references that I had never heard before. Uh, one of them was Gimmer Gum. So it's some kind of like, because there was a reference to, oh, they, they could piece it back together with a couple of wires and some Gimmer Gum. And I'm like, okay, so MacGyver, they're referencing MacGyver yes. here. Uh, and then there was a reference to Nuna Jerky. Uh, yes. and I was like, I don't know what Nuna Jerky is, but apparently it sounds really tasty. So, uh, again, you know, better than Joppa stew. <laughs> no, not if it's if it's fresh. Sure, if it's coming out of that hose in in uh, <laughs> that restaurant in the Mandalorian, I'm gonna pass. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. The jerky is better than Joppa stew. Mm. Gotcha. Because uh, Avon didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Even. So, it, you know, I was there's a lot of cool food references in here. Again, we're going to get hopefully we get the uh, like Galaxy's Edge cookbook two that comes out with how to make your own Nuna jerky or, or Gimmer gum. Either one I'd be happy with, but pretty cool uh, the we get to this awesome confrontation uh, when they find out that there's a crashed ship near them. Uh, that 
had the Nile on it. The and and the Nile characters were I forget their names. Hold on, Clinith, uh, Clinith Da, and Guishi. I think were the two main Nile characters yep. in this. Clinith Da and Guishi. Um, we we find out like they they stumble upon their ship. They hear them talking. They know who it is. Um, and like I said, they uh, Emery and honesty try to go kill them they get captured uh vernestra and uh avon is that right did i get there avery no avon 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 god i keep messing that name up um avon go to rescue the two that get captured uh when emory gets free emory takes his lightsaber and tries to kill one of the Nile and Vernestra stops him, uh, stops Emery and says, no, vengeance is not the right way. And this is where we get this awesome confrontation between Emery and Vernestra. And Emery says, you're either with me or you're not. Oh, this is sorry. This is speaking to honesty when they first go to get him. Um, you're either with me or you're not. I need your anger, honesty. Uh, and really, Emery's trying to tap into that anger channel put out by Honesty, but we we get they get captured. Um, and when he goes to kill one of the, when Emery goes to kill one of the Nile, Vernastra stops him, like literally force pushes him clear out the ship, knocks him out, um, and and that kind of ends the fight. And and I think this is a, a very interesting direction for Emery uh, because Emery later on in the book decides to they stay within the Jedi Order Vanastra becomes Emery's master uh, Jedi uh, master uh, teacher right and uh, we'll see what happens with Emery later on because I think that's a very telling thing that Emery was so quick to tap into that uh, to try to resolve the conflict Yeah, and I, so, Emery's story arc where he was, like, having trouble, you know, using the Force when he was filled with negative emotions, but then was able to turn it on later once he, like, got enough negative emotion from himself and from honesty, it actually made me think about Loden. And I'm I'm thinking, like, does, does... does Markian run the risk of tormenting Loden so much with the pain of the other people that he turns to the dark side and then Markian is like screwed because he's like, you know, able to crush him. Hmm. I know Maggie doesn't, <laughs> you know, her, her taste of chaos, Markian Rowe. Um, but I, that was my thought. I was like, I mean, I don't think, you know, they've, they've kind of like, they've, they've, Loden doesn't feel like someone who's going to, he doesn't seem like someone that's teetering, um, uh, you know, or is even close to the dark side, but it was a thought process I had because just, just looking at what, you know, the kind of the spectrum and the, this, you know, the story path that Emery uh, went through in this book yeah, with dealing with emotions in the force. Yeah. Um, and then, and it was interesting because later on, you know, when we get to the end of the book, we we get Skier coming in at the end of this book as well. 
talking to Vernastra about what happened uh, on the on the moon with uh, Emery, um, you know, and Skier says the force is not so simple, and neither are the emotions of living creatures. Uh, recognizing our mistakes and doing better is the path of a Jedi, and that that was very. Very important. It's a very important life lesson for everybody out there to listen and learn from. Um, and then on it, he's projecting too. Yeah, yeah. And honesty earlier in the book also says, "I'm always paying attention when people talk. It's how you learn about the galaxy." Because I think there was an explanation of a mathematical uh, equation, which which honesty says, "Well, that's a proof." And you know, I think. Uh, I think it was that Emery didn't think Honesty was listening when 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 Emery explained it, and Honesty's like, "No, I listened. I just didn't comment. Like, I I took it in, I processed it, and then came back with that quote a little bit later on, and kind of said, this is why we need to go. You know, we need to to get out of here.' So, uh, very cool book. I th- I thought the it, the ending for me was a little uneventful. Like we didn't get a big I don't think we got like a huge cliffhanger at the end. It was a little uh mellow, I guess, for me as far as an ending go. Like I I can go to Alphabet Squadron and go to that second book and go that was a huge cliffhanger at the end. Where here I felt like it was just kind of there and we have some things that could get set up, but TBD I think that just comes from it being a junior novel. Like this is a, this is a fun story or an interesting story that takes place in this time period, but it doesn't necessarily have a ton of bearing on the larger story Mm -hmm. um, that the, you know, that the adult novels are telling or the adult novels and the YA novels. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure. This is, the, probably the first uh, Star Wars kids book I've read in quite some time. <laughs> so I, I don't really know how they fit into the larger canon, like how uh, substantial they, they are to the larger canon. But but I like I like reading them. Like I've enjoyed so far. Yeah, I've enjoyed reading and kind of all this new Star Wars material that we're getting. I've enjoyed putting it uh, all together. So um, Maggie, what other part, any other parts in this book that you really loved or, or didn't like? Um, or what any impressions on the end? I gave this book a 99 out of 100, so there's very little that, uh, and that fractional point was literally just because it's a a young adult book, so it wasn't as meaty as I prefer, uh, with my Star Wars books. But I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. it as a whole. I like the characters, I I like the Nile. I thought they were really interesting and their personality types. Um, I thought, again, different kinds of villains, um, more bad guys, um, always engaging. Um, and I, I like that they just keep setting up in like their final pages that the, the Nile have it out for the Jedi yeah. and the Republic. They're at war. Um, yeah. Yep. They're, they, they're like, we're coming for you and you're going to see what's going to happen. Uh, and I really like that. I like the way that these two books have ended on that same kind of note. Yeah. And I believe Qu- Quinneth Da is a female human. Guishi is an Aqualish. Yes. Uh, which I, there was a comment later on, I think by honesty that said the Aqualish on Dalna were pleasant. Maybe it was something like that. Uh, I can't find it now. They, the Aqualish on Dalna, the planet that 
honesty I think was from was uh they were pleasant and um kind. <laughs> I was like, man, those Aqualish were way different than what we saw on uh in the Mandalorian. So uh very interesting take there by honesty. So uh yeah, I love I I it was a good book. A solid book, solid read, quick read. So get out, check it out. Uh, hopefully, you know, our review is, I don't know, pretty good. Helps you out a little bit, uh, you know, but even if you listen to this and you're like, oh, I'm not going to check it out. Hopefully we gave you a high enough synopsis that you can go. Yeah, sounds interesting. And check it out. I've, I have two it. more highlights. Yeah, go ahead, Josh. Oh, I'm sorry, Ooh. Maggie. So we got to acknowledge J6 and her sassy lack of programming, <laughs> I guess. So sassy. Programming. Mm. Um, I really liked that, and I really liked how much uh, Avon liked it, like, and was ex- excited about it. I do hope that we get more stories with her, um, with those two together. I think they're a fun duo. Um, I also really love the Hansies, and I didn't. I'm glad to see that there is a picture of them on um on Wikipedia, really? which I'm wondering if it's from the like the back cover of the book because I don't see them oh. on the front. Huh, Maggie? Do you does the, the the back of the book you have have like art on the back or no? No, but I no. I just I literally have a book that says this is the marketing plan and who to tag, <laughs> so I don't have a regular copy. Okay, okay. I also I think I, the actual book is hardback and mine's a softback. So okay, so let me let me show you guys yeah, this really quick because so, there's another thing that I think. No, I was gonna say so. Hansies were like these almost chimpanzee like creatures that lived on this planet, right? Or mm, they're more they're more monkey, monkey right like uh, you'll see yeah, okay so they're they're, they're these monkey like creatures that live on this moon that um you know they they were coming down i think stealing the food uh every once in a while from them and then they kind of were hard to catch oh okay it looks like that oh, yeah. the little white cat thing in the meme minus the Manchu, mustache yeah. <laughs> it definitely has a Fu Manchu mustache. Um, very cool. I will say though that the <laughs> I I when pulling up the articles, um, the the um, Aqualish, Guishi, yeah, and Klinith Da they look very like low key Nihil, like no helmets, <laughs> no masks or anything. Just kind of like kind of look like Junior Nihil, like they they're like Nihil in training. Like, like, Clinith Da, I would almost mistake for, like, a smuggler. You yeah. know what I mean? Because they don't have their, there's no masks. They don't have the big Nile masks on. We'll, we'll try to get, we'll get some of these pictures up so you, you guys can see them as we're looking at them uh, on, the, on the Twitter machine. But, uh, yeah, I would almost mistake Clinith Da as, like, just a regular smuggler that's a kid. Very, very yeah. interesting. Or like a... Like a, she reminds me of like a, uh, like Ezra before he joins yeah. the crew when he's just like a street urchin. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. That is crazy. And it's, uh, uh, and the thing I thought about the, the, um, Guishi was like, it was just funny to me how his clothes like matched. Cause it just sounds like the, the, in the, when you read the book, it sounds like the Nile are just like, murdering and taking so the thought that you'd have like matching shoulder and knee pads you know? <laughs> right but yep 
uh, that's just for fun. I'm it's you oh, know very cool. They're not going to make it look too scary on the book. No. So no. Um, but yeah, overall cool book. Uh, definitely enjoyed it. Quick read. Um, you can power through it. I mean, for those heavy readers, you get through it within a day pretty quick, pretty fast. Um, the, uh, the audio book, uh, was read by Kaylor Lee. I think I have that name correct. Kaylor Lee. Lay? Kaylor Lay. Uh, she did a really great job doing the audio book. Um, you know, I think, uh, she's no Mark Thompson, but you know, she did a great job. She, who is, I know, I know he's, he's set a really high bar there. So, uh, but it was really good. It was really good. So Shout outs that you guys want to give out this week. Anybody you want to shout out to in particular? Um, I mean, we are. Oh, oh go ahead. No, go we got shout outs. As I was gonna say, we Let's already go. said it earlier, but, uh, you know, Ryleth Relics and their, uh, you know, monthly murder on my wallet. But, you know, I'm enjoying it. So. <laughs> nice. Maggie? Uh, and then I would I would like to give a shout out to our Star Wars friend, Stephen Ray Morris, who is launching his own Star Wars podcast this week. Very it cool. should be out as as we are speaking. It's coming out today while we are recording. Nice. Good for um, him. Called Every, Everything But the Movies. It is discussing all of the Star Wars books, uh, current legends, canon, children's, adult, everything in between. So very excited to see what he does. Very with that. cool. Congratulations, Stephen. That's awesome news. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Lane Sanderson. Uh, he does uh, acrylic stuff, GW Acrylic. If you're looking for any kind of display stands, protective cases, anything for action figures, not just Star Wars, but other ones as well. Um, he has awesome products, great prices, super fast delivery. I messaged him on Facebook on like Friday. I got my product on like Sunday. Uh, I don't know how he did it that fast, but he put it together um, and got it over to me. So um, I'll post a picture of that later so you guys can see some of the stuff that he does. He makes these really cool um rectangular vintage figure stands that you can put like this Kenner sticker on so it really kind of adds a nice little touch to your original vintage figures so uh, thank you for listening uh, this was episode like 73 we are getting up there we're almost to that century mark people uh, we're, we're going one day one day at a time uh, but we're getting there um, I'm Justin you can find me on Twitter at I am the Bendu you can find the Star Wars Friends show uh, on any, uh, so almost any social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at SW Friends Show. You can email us, show at StarWarsFriends.com. We're always happy to get emails from you guys. Um, you know, if you got questions for us, if you want us to talk about something on the show, send it over to us. We'll get to it um, and, and do it in the next show. We're covering a lot of the books right now, but we're always happy to get uh, listener email emails or questions in there. So send them over to us uh, and we'll check it out. Where can they find you guys at? Uh, this is Josh and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Battle of Tanab. And this is Maggie and you can find me on Twitter at Maggie of the Town. Awesome, awesome. We love hearing from you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed the review of 
um, our second High Republic book, Te- uh, Test of Courage. Um, we loved it. Check it out. It's a good read. Uh, next one we're getting into is, uh, what's the, it just came out. Um, into the yeah. Dark. Into yeah, the just, Dark by Claudia. Yeah, excited about that one. Gives me chills. Can't wait. Uh, Thank you for listening. Everybody have a great weekend. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, Do something special for people. Get out there. Spread some love. We love you. As always, may the force be with you. We are the Nihil. We are the Nihil. Nice, guys. Take care. Don't forget to subscribe to the Star Wars Friends podcast and leave an awesome review on whichever podcast app you're listening on. Catch up on past episodes, fun interviews, and more at StarWarsFriends.com. Connect with the Star Wars Friends on social media at SW Friends Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the show at show at StarWarsFriends.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, may the Force be with you.